Hornet Evans' chief steward, Lamper, unfastens the front of his high-vis jacket and loosens the collar of his Fred Perry polo shirt underneath. Oh, Mark, it's well hot. Might be too hot. The skinhead is lurking in the swirling mist at the bottom of Occupation Road, where it's his job to wait for the next arrival in Hornet Heaven. He can't work out why he's overheating. He wipes a film of sweat from the back of his neck. Then he feels a wave of intense heat and the mists around him start to evaporate. Suddenly, he's not where he was. Everything is yellow, black and red, but he's not outside Watford Stadium anymore. The yellow is flames. The black is the charred earth beneath his Dr. Martin boots. The red is a sky that's the colour of blood. Oh, bollocks! I'm in on it hell. Again. Hornet Heaven. Lamper's Inferno. Written by Ollie Wicken. Read by Colin Mace. Earth Season 2017 2018. A man in a smart suit looks around. He's in his late 80s, but he's still handsome. This can't be right. A moment ago, he was cocooned in white mist after passing away peacefully, and that was fine. It was rather pleasant, actually. But now, all of a sudden, he's in a barren landscape, a raging fire. Why? What's he done to deserve this? Everything is burning. Even the rivers are burning. And the smell. He's never smelt burning flesh before, but... All right, mate. The handsome old man turns. He sees a broken-toothed thug in a high-vis jacket. Just arrived, have ya? What's going on? The older man asks. Where am I? Ain't it obvious? Well, it looks like I'm in hell. You are, mate. But this ain't ordinary hell. This is hornet hell. The old man has heard of the idea of a hornet heaven. Isn't there a blog or something? But he never imagined there would be a flip side. A dark side. There must be some mistake. Who are you? The chief steward. If someone arrives here, I meet them. Don't happen often. Means you must have sinned against the horns. Me? I? Sinned against Watford? The old man thinks. And then his heart sinks. He remembers. Next month will be exactly 60 years since it happened. In April 1958. He never imagined it would come to this. But it was so long ago. No one seemed to think it was so terrible at the time. Must matter after all then, eh? But how can it be held against me now? When people thought differently back then? How's that fair? 
The old man takes a step back as a sheet of flame erupts from the blackened earth at his feet. As he moves, he notices how heavy he feels compared to down on earth. So, is this it? Forever? Eternal damnation? Depends, mate. On what? Well, most people, the good people, go straight from the land of the living to all near heaven. But some people, people who have sinned, have to pass through all near hell. Some of them make it through, like I did. But some of them don't. So, how do I make sure I get to haunted heaven? I don't think it's up to you, matey boy. As far as I know, you just have to see how it goes. Come on, I ain't got all day, and there's nine circles of hell to get through. The old man looks up and sees burning ash floating down from the sky like devil's dandruff. Then he follows along behind the steward. Each step he takes is a struggle. He feels weighed down. They're heading towards a narrow subterranean passage beneath mountainous rocks. The passage reminds him of the player's tunnel beneath the old main stand at Vicarage Road years ago. Except that the player's tunnel didn't have a sign on the entrance saying, Abandon all hope, ye that enter here. This sign can't apply to me, surely? The old man stops and says, There must be some hope I'll reach haunted heaven. Some people make it through, you said? Yeah, I made it through myself, the steward says. Back in 1980, I hated it. I had all these horrible flashbacks of my hooliganism down on earth, like I was actually back there. It physically hurt. A lot. Oh, God. Really? Yeah. Felt myself getting the right kicking off the mill wall. And the West Ham crew knocked me spark out with a bar stall. That's because my sin was violence. What was yours? Well, I... I don't know what I'd call it. I suppose some people might say it was... Well... Anyway, let's see what awaits me. But at least from what you've told me, despite what this sign says, there's a chance I'll get through this hell. Let's keep going, then. <laughs> Actually, thinking about it, abandon all hope should be the sign they put outside the entrance to the Premier League. <laughs> oh, jeez, I'm funny some days. My name's Lamper, by the way. Nice to meet you, Lamper. My name's Johnny. Johnny follows Lamper into the tunnel. They emerge on the other side, into a thick cloud of insects. Holy britches! Keep your hair on, mate. This is only the first circle of hell. There's much worse to come, Johnny. Johnny covers his hair with his hands to try and keep the insects off. He's always considered his hair his best feature. In the 1950s, when it was still jet black, its slicked back centre parted style made him look self-assured and suave, like a matinee idol, a model of masculinity. Someone once told him he 
made men seem like a good idea. But now he's an old man, trying to protect himself from his new environment. These darned insects. <laughs> What's happening? This is the bit of hell where people who never loved Watford are stuck forever if they sinned against us. Well, that's not me. I loved Watford, still do. See that bloke on the ground over there? Johnny looks out from beneath his hands. He sees a writhing man-shaped swarm of wasps, or more likely hornets. There are screams as the insects sting and sting again. An agony that will continue for the rest of time. That's Mervyn Griffiths. Know who he is? No, no idea. He was the referee in 1950 for our cup tie at home to Man United. Didn't give a goal when Taffy Davis' shot went over the line. Terrible crime against the Horns. Oh, oh, I would like five minutes alone with him. Johnny stares at the stinging swarm, wondering what punishment might lie in store for himself. You wasn't a referee, was you, Johnny, mate? Certainly not. I was good. We want to keep some space free for when Roger Milford, Rob Stiles and Stuart Atwell get here. <laughs> Can't wait to see them getting stung till kingdom come. <laughs> Johnny makes his way onwards through the black cloud of insects. Flying ants land on his face and crawl towards his eyes and mouth. I wasn't a referee. I was a player. I was at Watford for ten years, 1951 to 1961. I was the captain. You was captain? Before my time, that was. What's your last name? Uh, Meadows. Johnny Meadows? Nah, never heard of you. Guess you can't have done anything too bad then. Johnny and Lamper go through another tunnel and arrive in the second circle of hell. The insects are gone. There's music playing. Lamper says, This bit is for people who are guilty of uh, lust. Johnny sees red-hot pokers scattered around on the black earth. He wonders what they're for. He can't see any people around. I don't get it. What's lust got to do with Watford Football Club? Dunno. Maybe in the swinging 1960s, if the football got boring, people went behind the bogs on the bend for a knee trembler. <laughs> they pass through another tunnel, into the third circle of hell. Johnny sees an obese woman lying in mud underneath a sewer outlet. She's drenched in filth. Oh, oh, that's horrible. What's going on there? She's the answer to the question. Who ate all the pies? You mean her sin was gluttony? That's the word. Tea bars were always running out of pies when she was around. At Plymouth, she ate all the pasties. Green army. <laughs> None left for no one else. Johnny thinks to himself that if gluttony counts as a sin against Watford, there are some other people who ought to be in Hornet Hell. What happened to my old manager, Neil McBain? Is he here? Nah, McBain made it into Hornet Heaven. 
Somehow. It must have been a close-run thing. When I was team captain, all he ever did was sit in his office all day, stuffing his face with fish and chips, and the amount of whiskey he used to get through. So what's your sin then, mate? Not lust or gluttony? No, it was more along the lines of... Johnny falls silent. He spent most of the last 60 years avoiding thinking about what happened in 1958. Except he's curious. Actually, who else from my playing days have you seen? Have you seen Jimmy Bowie, for instance? Little Scottish bloke? Yeah, I've seen him. Why do you ask? Well, I remember when... Johnny's mind takes him back to late April 1958. The memory is so vivid, it's as if he's actually there as his younger self. He's 27 and he's feeling on edge. He's in a pub with Jimmy Bowie, his former teammate at Watford. Jimmy's also a betting man. You know the situation, Johnny, Jimmy Bowie is saying. Brentford, the top of the division. They've played all their games and they'll be promoted. As long as Brighton don't pip them at the post with their game in hand. And Brighton's last game is against us, Johnny says. Come on, Jimmy. Tell me something I don't know. Well, I've been talking to the Brentford lads. Obviously, they really want Watford to beat Brighton. And... And? Well... It's a dead rubber for your lot. So to make it worth your while to beat Brighton, the Brentford lads asked me to... You know... Asked you to do what? Make you and your team an offer. Johnny breaks free from the memory. Ugh. Ugh. That was... What's wrong, mate? Just had a flashback. Johnny tries to catch his breath. What's going on? Is Hornet Hell trying to make him face up to his sin? <sighs> People say, never go back. And I can see why. Maybe, though, he thinks, he does need to look back on what he did. Maybe he needs to stop and reflect, after all these years, on how bad it was. On the other hand, why is he being singled out? What about the other people involved? Didn't they have a price to pay? You say you saw Jimmy Bowie, Lamper? Yeah, mate. Must have been about the year 2000. Was that in Hornet Heaven or Hornet Hell? Heaven, mate. I never had to bring him through this place, so he can't never have sinned against the Horns. Johnny nods. But to be fair, the answer doesn't really tell him anything. He knows his own part in the affair back in 1958 was far worse than the part Jimmy Bowie had been trying to play. He's back in the pub again. Jimmy Bowie has offered Johnny a sum of money for Watford to go out and beat Brighton so that Brentford will be promoted. So... What do you reckon, Johnny? Will you take the Brentford boys' money? No. Right. Because what, can I ask? 
because you can't be bent. Because Brighton have offered us more than that to roll over and lose. Oh, uh, 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 these flashbacks, they keep taking over. I did warn you, mate. Come on, let's keep going. Johnny follows Lamper into the fourth circle of Hornet Hell. There are lakes of fire. Brimstone hurtles down from the sky. The smell of sulphur is appalling. This bit of hell is for people who are... prodigal. But I don't know what prodigal means. It means spending money in a way that's reckless and extravagant. Gotcha. So this is where Gianluca Viali will end up. They pass into the fifth circle. It's a swampy, fetid cesspool. It reminds Johnny of the Vicarage Road pitch he played on in the 1950s. A few yards away, he sees two Watford fans who tore up their season tickets during the Jack Petchy seasons. Now they're tearing each other to pieces as they wrestle in the sewage. Lamper says, The sin what people have done here is anger. Was anger your sin, Johnny, mate? Johnny is in a different pub in April 1958. This time he's with a Brighton player. The Brighton player slips a wad of £5 notes into Johnny's jacket pocket and says, There you go. 15 nicker for your boys to ease up. 50? We agreed a 100. Shh. Keep your voice down, mate. Don't shush me. I turned down Brentford's money for this. We had an agreement. No. No, Lamper. It wasn't anger. What was it, then? Let's carry on. Johnny follows the steward into the circle of hell reserved for the sin of heresy. After a while, Johnny says, I can't believe it. First Neil McBain wasn't in the gluttony circle, and now he's not here. I mean to say, he managed loot. I mean, that lot from up the road. If that isn't heresy, I don't know what is. Totally, mate. McBain should be getting a whipping for the rest of eternity for managing the scummers. Johnny and Lamper reach the seventh circle of hell. There's a river of boiling blood and it's full of men screaming in pain. <coughs> Most of them are wearing Fred Perry polo shirts. <coughs> this is where the violent get what's coming to them. To be fair, it could have been me in the boiling blood. I was always rucking in the name of Watford. So how do you think you made it through to Hornet Heaven? I don't know, mate. Except I suppose it could have been when I... Yeah. Yeah. It was probably that. What? Nah. Not telling. But it might help me. No way. It's embarrassing, mate. But it'll help me work out how I can save my soul. 
So was you violent then? Was that your sin? In the pub, 27-year-old Johnny, Watford's captain, grabs the Brighton player by the lapels. Get off me. There's no need for... You said it would be a hundred, Nicker, not fifty. Don't hurt me. If you don't stump up, my team's going to be very motivated to play to win. And your lot will blame you when you're not promoted. OK. OK. I'll get you the rest of the money. You better. And the price has gone up. It's a hundred and ten quid now. Each of my men gets a tenner. Oh. 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 Johnny. Johnny, mate. You all right? Oh. I was asking you something. If your sin was violence. And I was asking how you made it through to Hornet Heaven. Please. You've got to tell me. Yeah. Well, I... I'll tell you later. There's only a couple more circles to go. The eighth circle of hell is a pit of snakes. Lamper says, This section's for thieves. See that bloke? Johnny looks where the steward is pointing. A writhing mass of snakes are coiling round the limbs and torso of a screaming man. Stole the fuses from the Vicarage Road floodlights, he did. During a bloody game. Jeepers, I remember that. 1959, I think. Against Shrewsbury. Or Shrewsbury, never can remember. Poor show to do something like that. The game had to be abandoned. Down on earth, the bloke was never caught. But he's getting his comeuppance now. <laughs> Forever. I was playing in the abandoned game, you know. I'd scored a goal. Decent alibi, mate. Was you a fence for the fuses, then? I wasn't a criminal. Look, so far none of these circles of hell have dealt with my sin. What's the next one? The next one's the last one, Johnny, mate. It's for traitors. The final circle of hell is bleak and cold. Johnny follows along behind Lamper, stepping cautiously across the surface of a frozen lake. If it's the last section, this must be my stop. You a traitor? You don't seem the type, Johnny, mate. This ice is what I call treacherous. Watch where you're treading, mate. Johnny is in the centre circle at the Brighton game on April the 30th, 1958. The terraces and stands at the Goldston ground are so full that children are sitting on the perimeter track surrounding the pitch. Outside the ground, people are watching from lampposts, trees and nearby roofs. Johnny has won the toss and chosen ends. He walks back towards the goal Watford will defend, or are supposed to defend. Right, lads. He calls out to his team above the noise. Remember what we said? 
He takes up his position at wing half and the match kicks off. He's given his teammates instructions to go easy and they don't let him down. Brighton have fielded a 19-year-old reserve striker and the Watford defence gives the kid space to score after five minutes. Come on, lads! Johnny shouts with a wink. Buck your ideas up! Three minutes later, the defence lets the kids score again and Johnny starts to worry that they're making it look too obvious. Another minute later, the boy scores a third. The game isn't even ten minutes old and a reserve striker in only his seventh professional game has completed a four-minute hat-trick. People are going to wonder. Get a grip, lads! Johnny shouts, and this time he means it. But if any of the Brighton supporters are suspicious, they're not showing it. They're delirious because Brighton are about to go up into the second division for the first time in their history. And that will be the story of this evening, Johnny hopes, not the backhander that Johnny Meadows took. Anyway, where's the harm in what he's done? He thinks to himself, this sort of thing happens all the time. It's just Brighton sharing their win bonus, really. Footballers are underpaid, and he's helping out his teammates by getting them a few extra bob, which is making them happy, which is good for the club. Who's going to care? Apart from Brentford. But then the referee comes over to Johnny and says, Looks to me like your team's not trying as hard as it might, Skipper. I'll be mentioning this in my report. Oh. Oh. Ah. oh. Memories. They weigh a ton. Are you all right, mate? You look a bit... Now Johnny's at home on the phone to a Daily Mail reporter. It's two years later. The newspaper has found out about the Brighton bung and he's going to splash the story on their front page. The reporter wants a quote from Johnny, the man who took the money. Johnny decides that honesty is the best policy. He makes a matter-of-fact statement that the newspaper can print word for word. Some Watford players and myself shared £110 between us from some Brighton players at the end of the season to bend a match with them. Johnny feels free to admit this because he's pretty certain he'll get no punishment even though it's going to be front-page news. It was only a tenner he personally pocketed from Brighton, and he's got nothing to lose now anyway. He never gets picked for Watford's first team these days. It'll all blow over. Why did no one tell me? Tell you about what, Johnny, mate? Hornet hell. Now Johnny's at a neighbour's house in 2016 watching Watford on TV. Johnny is 85. He watches Troy Deeney score a goal and run off to the corner flag. Troy's pointing at the fans as if to say, the goal is for them. I can't believe the way the game's changed, Johnny says. I keep hearing players saying they're doing it for the fans. Oh no, the neighbour says. They make out the fans are the most important people, as if the fans are the club. In my day, the people who came to watch football were called spectators. If they happened to get caught up in the emotion of a game, their feelings weren't your responsibility. As a player, you barely acknowledged them. You played for yourself and the team, not for bystanders. Yeah, it's amazing, really, because if I think back to what football was like when you took that bribe in 1958... Johnny braces himself. 
as if a sticking plaster is about to be pulled off a wound. No one was really too bothered. I mean, if Watford's captain took a bribe today, Troy would be banned for life and sent to prison. And on top of that, the papers would say he'd let the fans down. Like that's the most terrible part of the whole thing. Johnny doesn't say anything. He doesn't want to reopen the old wound. But his neighbour has got him thinking. Can today's way of things be right? Is a player's duty now to his teammates, his club and the fans? Really? How many masters do you want a player to serve? Ah! Ooh. Uh. Uh. If I'd known I'd end up in hell, I wouldn't have... Oi! Watch out, mate! How was I meant to know the game would change so much? Watch where you're going! You'll fall in, mate! Mate! Johnny Meadows senses dark, icy waters closing over his head. He feels like a lead weight. He's sinking. But his survival instincts kick in. He thrashes his arms and kicks out with his legs. He struggles back to the surface. <gasps> oh, help me. Give me your hand. Give me your hand, mate. Quick. Oh. <laughs> Is this because... I never faced up to my sin against Watford. Don't worry about that, mate. Just give me your hand and... Uh, before he comes. Who? Before who comes? Just grab my hand, mate. Grab it. Johnny reaches out. Lamper pulls him up out of the water. There. There you go. Oh. Oh. Thank you. Any longer, and you'd have... Oh, gold. Johnny turns and sees something rising from the freezing waters. It's him! Who? Who is it? A giant figure is emerging. Fifty foot high, flame red. It's Lucifer himself! You can tell from the yawns on his head. Or you could, if he wasn't wearing that red builder's helmet. Johnny stares up at Lucifer in terror and drops to his knees on the ice. He's almost speechless with fear, but he manages to get out some words. Words he's never been ready to say before. I repent. I repent of my sin. He looks up into the demon's fiery eyes. I should never have done what I did. I was a... I was a... a traitor. Lucifer raises a giant hand and points down at Johnny. A short stream of flame begins to shoot out from the devil's index finger, as if it's a flamethrower about to be turned to full blast. I get it now. I betrayed the fans. Which means I betrayed Watford Football Club. Lucifer is still pointing at Johnny. There's a shimmering film of heat around the devil's hand. Forgive me. Please. Forgive me. A moment later, Lucifer's finger swings away. The stream of flame subsides. 
The finger points into the distance, towards a dark passage in a mountain range across the ice. What does that mean? Am I forgiven? Lamper, what's going on? He's pointing to Orny Evan. He's letting you off. You're gonna be all right. You're out of here, mate. Johnny gets to his feet. He's wet and shivering. I'm so sorry. I betrayed Watford. I'm so sorry. Johnny shuffles forward. As he moves, he feels lighter. He feels no burden. He's ready to take his place in paradise. A few moments later, Johnny and Lamper arrive in swirling mist at the bottom of Occupation Road. Here we are, Johnny, mate. You're safe now. Thanks, but are you sure Lucifer can't get me here? That red builder's helmet really freaked me. I never want to see one of those in Hornet Heaven. You're golden, mate, for the rest of time. Lamper starts to walk up the slope. Johnny follows. Interesting how you got past Lucifer by asking for forgiveness. That ain't what happened with me in 1980, Johnny boy. Oh, so what did happen, Lamper? You were going to tell me. Lamper looks around to make sure no one else is listening. I burst into tears when Lucifer pointed at me. Blubbed like a baby, didn't I? It was pathetic. He must have just took pity on me. So you made it into Hornet Heaven without having to show remorse for what you did? <laughs> remorse? Not me, mate. I still love a ruck. Johnny follows Lamper into the gentle eternal sunshine. After what he's just been through, he's grateful to be here, and he's starting to get a sense of what this paradise is all about. To get into Hornet Heaven, it seems, you've got to know right from wrong, and that the right thing is what's right for everyone who cares about Watford Football Club. Which, now he thinks about it, doesn't really surprise him, because Graham Taylor once summed it up beautifully. And GT was a man who definitely didn't have to pass through Hornet Hell on his way into Hornet Heaven. The great man said, Players, supporters, we're all in it together. And he was right. Because now, as of March 2018, Johnny Meadows will be together with everyone else who loves Watford in Hornet Heaven for the rest of eternity. The End Lamper's Inferno was written and produced by Ollie Wickham. It was read by Colin Mace. For more information on the Hornet Heaven stories, please visit hornetheaven.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>